Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Yes, you're very welcome along to the Huddle Breakdown. And a call here with you alongside Alan Morrison, aka Celtic by Numbers, and by Joko James as well. Guys, midweek game, another win for Celtic. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't a 4 0 win. It wasn't a derby win, but it is three points nonetheless. Celtic are now 20 games unbeaten, 18 wins from those 20 games, and all wins since the winter break as well. So, mighty form from Ange Postecoglou's side, it has to be said. Let's start with the Aberdeen win. 3-2 was the final score. Second half, not great. Two goals conceded from set pieces, two set plays from Aberdeen. And Jota pulls off uh, a winning goal to drag it out and get the three points that Celtic need to stay top of the table. So, uh, Alan, I'll come to you first. Not all wins have to be pretty. Not all wins have to be blowouts. And sometimes these wins that you drag from the depth actually end up being more important to squad confidence and belief than the ones where you blow Motherwell out of it. Yeah, you know, even even in Scotland, where you know, as we've said before, the disparity between the top teams and the, and, and the others is, is significant. But bear in mind, you know, those teams are used to playing teams like Celtic, right? So they actually are comfortable playing a team of Celtic's level. <laughs> you know, when Celtic come come up above, like a team like Bayern Munich, for example, it's still a bit of a shock, right? Because it's, it's a huge gulf. Uh, but these teams, you know, they do they do play Celtic a lot because of the nature of the of the competition and playing four times a season and so forth. So the point being is that as as we see and as have many many players have found out coming up to Scotland, it's not as easy a league. You can't just turn up and, and, like you say, win win four goals every week. So, league titles are built on all sorts of different ways to win, and uh, you know, yesterday was definitely a different way to win. <laughs> to be so utterly and completely in control against a team that set up as if they'd never watched Celtic play against Motherwell on, on, on the previous game, and then uh, to completely change the way that they play and become incredibly effective, and, and you know, really really you know, scare Celtic at the end, uh, but then to, to nick it anyway, but then do what Celtic have done. This is the, if you want to take one commonality from it, it's the fact that having got ahead once again in the game, um, Celtic saw the match out with relatively little, little drama. And, and I do think there's something in that um, in terms of that, you know, as much as we, we, and I think we'll go on to talk about the way Celtic play, the, sheer physical effort that that entails 
the impact on on fitness and and the game state. Um, I do think it was becoming apparent to me is it's, it's having a big impact on the opposition, and 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 again, there are a couple of trends that we'll talk about around when goals are scored, both by Celtic, you know, again, well, mainly against Celtic, that, that show that actually, you know, that that, that we've we, we've got the stickability. It's just I think we just need to recalibrate a little bit when we freshen the the eleven up, and uh, I think we're I think we're. We're in good shape because, as you said, in that that run, you know, I, I keep going back to the beginning of the season, and and and, and it's like that away that, that that I was thinking about the Aberdeen game when we won two one away, and that was like the first really notable win that Buster Coglu got away from home. But it took until you know September we'd had a, a run of away defeats, we'd lost away games in Europe, you know, we'd lost a lot of games at that point. So to go on this run, and you think the team is only going to get stronger from here. You know the players are getting stronger every day. The uh, likes of Hatati Maeda are getting stronger. O'Reilly's getting stronger. New players are coming back. The partnerships are improving. So the team's only getting stronger as we go into this latter part of the season. And yes, you're going to have to battle and fight and scratch on a windy night in Aberdeen <laughs> to get to get points occasionally. But I think, much as there are some concerns and nuance we need to talk about, we will get to. We've got we've got to be very positive about that. Yeah, a couple of massive wins on that run that were really pulled out of it um, in the end where Celtic didn't exactly play fantastically, but they got the win. Ralston's last-minute header springs to mind. Abada's goal against Dundee United just a week ago. You know, like these are important wins and important types of wins that really does build a belief within the squad that they are not unbeatable, but that they have confidence that they can see out games and win these games, even if they, they don't play at a hundred percent. And James, you might be able to provide better data than the FOTMOG data that I had at hand after mm-hmm. the game and the reaction. But um, Aberdeen finished the game with a, an XG of around 0.73, which was what, what FOTMOG had for the game. So even though they scored two goals, those two goals were isolated incidents within the game and Aberdeen didn't really lay a hand on Celtic apart from that. Not much from open play, and that's I, I put out a little thing before the game on Twitter. That's been uh, the mo for Aberdeen this season is they've been quite poor from open play. Actually, in the stats bomb data, they've been uh, pretty comparable to Ross County in that regard. Now, again, for their size of club that Ross County have that are, they've actually been pretty good in attack this season, relatively speaking. And these things are all relative, um, but that gives you an idea. I mean the 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 wage bill disparity between Ross County and Aberdeen is quite, uh, quite significant. Um, so where Aberdeen have been pretty good is on set pieces. And we saw that, um, you know, Ramirez is a decent finisher in that kind of 12 yards and in uh, area. And uh, I've, I've watched them quite a bit this season and them, them having uh, a good play on, shall we say, I think one of, one of their European games, they might have even ran that exact same play over the summer, um, you know, uh, uh, basically where they set screens, you know, it's again, a basketball analogy. It's like setting a pick or, or, or a screen. I think Brown was the, the screener um, and then, you know, creating a, a, a channel for the guy to, to receive the ball. So um It was pretty much standard fare as far as I'm concerned, as far as a game that we were probably, um, you know, on another day, some bad variants, as we always say, could have resulted in a draw. You know, some uh, uh, we we had a vintage uh, 
Scottish referee performance where everyone comes out thinking they got screwed on both teams. <laughs> That's Willie. Co- that is Willie Collum. Willie, well, Collum exactly. is, Willie, Willie Collum is unique in that regard. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so he, 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 I think you know, it's 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 like a Jackson Pollock painting uh, from a refereeing perspective when he does games. It's. <laughs> You, you can always see something <laughs> viewed, through, viewed through the prism of vodka, right? Exactly. <laughs> um, so you know, it's just just a mess. And um, so if that happened to have flipped a little bit against us, um, you know, we we were fortunate. O'Reilly's goal was on a deflected ball, and for for one of the instances, their keeper was actually well positioned had it not been a deflected. Whereas in the first goal, he was you know pretty pathetic on. Um, so. You know, it was one of those games where you could have easily seen a draw. Um, I, I thrilled that we didn't, that we got out of it, won the game. We, we chatted a little bit before we went live here. And it's like, th- these are the kind of games that, you know, out of 38 league games, you're not going to have 38 uh, games where you blow people out and look great for two full halves. So, um, you know, we'll take it. We, we, we just started talking about this a couple of weeks ago. We've been due for this kind of run where some of these kinds of games turn in our direction. Uh, and now we're getting a string of them. Uh, and, you know, long may it continue at least through, uh, through May. It's not like we're at the wrong end of, you know, chances created XG, you know, that sort of no. thing, you know, something we're, we're well ahead on, on all those kind of attacking measures. But like you said, James, you know, we've not, that's now like three, four long range shots that have gone in the last few games. Exactly. The, the O'Reilly one in particular, beautifully deflected into the opposite corner to where the goalkeeper was going. So yeah, these, but we, you said, listen, I don't feel guilty about it. These are the things that have not been going our way for 18 months prior to that. And again, I don't expect any sympathy. Celtic lorded it for nine years before that, so no sympathy required. But uh, that, that that those those are the facts. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think for a number of reasons this was an important win. Mainly being the fact that it's the last league game now for <clears throat> I think it's the twenty seventh of February is the next uh, league game that Celtic have. They've got the Wraith Rovers Cup game this weekend, and then Bodo Glimt during the week. And it was just important just to see out that league form and sort of go into these cup games now f- without the pressure of having to consistently win these games in order to stay atop the table. I think it will be a bit of a pressure reliever for the the, the side. In terms of the positivity side of the, the game, look, it wasn't a, a stellar Celtic performance in any aspect, but I guess if you're going to pick someone out again, Matt O'Reilly is the man that you would pick out because of the obvious uh, goal and assist that he gets first goal for Celtic as well. Uh, James, since he's come in again, he just seems like another Rogic. Like he, it almost seems as if Tom Rogic was starting that game in another form and in the form of a young, handsome Englishman, as opposed to an Australian. You know, it's funny. We did not coordinate this, but I actually, um, I wrote a column that I I found out. I wrote it two days ago. So it was before yesterday's game. Uh, It's not going to get published until uh, Sunday. Um, so I've just dove into this topic, you know, kind of looking at O'Reilly, obviously with limited um, data at Celtic, but also I had done a profile on him on Twitter when we signed him, looking at his time at MK, MK Dons um, and comparing kind of performance metrics over both of those periods uh, relative to Rockage this season. Because I think a lot of people would agree Rockage has been really, really good this season, um, particularly given expectations of him 
I'll throw my hand up, you know, being uh, skeptical that he could play the role effectively as an attacking eight in Ange's system uh, for, for a significant period of time. And um, what O'Reilly has done so far, and again, small sample, it's a good bit above a Rogic level. Uh, and I say that because he's also doing it in um, defensive and pressing metrics. So uh, we've talked about in prior episodes how Rogic has done yeoman's work. And again, just tremendous credit to him for t- taking this on because that was probably one of the criticisms that most people had was his off-the-ball work and some of his intensity of work in prior seasons defensively. And he, he's been putting the effort in and the shifts in. He's just not that effective at doing it. Um, and uh, O'Reilly seems to have an orders of magnitude more effectiveness um, component in that side of that phase of the game. On top of that, he's offering the kind of creative ball progression and passing like we saw with the the cross yesterday. But that that's not – I mean, he's been doing this. He's cranking these things out every game almost in an obscene amount of consistency. So, again, it's only four-plus games – Long may it continue. <laughs> Hopefully this is reflective. I mean, it's almost absurd to think he could keep this up at this rate. But, um, you know, he's done it against Rangers. He's done it against Hearts. So it's not like he's been doing this against 10 men, Dundee or anything, where he's rolling up stats off of, uh, you know, impaired low-level competition. So, um, yeah, I, I, I've, I've been incredibly impressed. And uh, to me, he's uh, the standout right now. As far you know, people talk about well, who do you who do you not start when everyone's fit. I, to me, he's number one on because that that ability to create chances for other people with that kind of vision, throw in top on top of that the defensive work rate and effectiveness. I mean, that's to me is like a a, a first class kind of uh, a p- player that's not all that um, easy to obtain and and to keep. So you should play him when you have him. Yeah, especially for the price tag of one point five million pounds, which is just obscene if he continues on this form. It, I'm on the record as saying that Tom Rogic is my favorite Celtic player, and I, I stand by that still. But I, I do think O'Reilly is more versatile in terms of, uh, in terms of the is is Liam aware of this? Uh, is Liam aware of this? He he's my favorite Irish Celtic player. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but in in terms of O'Reilly, uh, his versatility is uh, wider than I think Tom Rogic's is in terms of ability to drop into the number eight position, which is an important aspect to to have for a creative player. He also has this weird thing. I'm not sure if anybody else has spotted it. The uh, tackle uh, style that he has where he's behind his man and he sort of wraps his leg around um, in a back heel sort of motion. He's incredibly effective with that. I don't know if, if that's something that... Uh, is in his game, Alan. Uh, you're you're nodding your head. You've noticed it as well, have you? Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad we're all catching up with this. So I think I said last week you'd be the first name on my uh, on my team sheet already, which is uh, I know that was flush from <laughs> the euphoria for a derby win, but I meant it. I wouldn't have said it if I hadn't meant it. Um, and like I said last week, he he's got this incredible ability to win the ball back without actually tackling anyone. In the sense of we think of a tackle as being like a a fairly aggressive full-blooded kind of physical activity. Um, he nicks the ball from people because he he's so 
quick at seeing uh, and, and he sees, you know, or oh, the player's not quite balanced or the ball's just available now and he's quick enough then to get to get his, his, his body in. So he, 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 he wins a lot of unseen balls. You think he's not done anything during the game defensively and then you look back you think, and you look at the defensive actions and you think, oh, that was quite a lot. Crikey, how did that happen? I can't remember which game it was. It might have been the Hearts game. He won something like five tackles in the second half, which is incredible for a, a you know a number eight really. So that yeah, definitely got that in his game. It's not it's not by any means the part of his game, but uh, it's a it's a nice bonus that I didn't I didn't expect. Um, I mean, I just yeah. love lo- I mean, you know even more. I was watching him last night. I didn't realize um, that. You know he's got. He, I, t- I talked about Dalglish the first time I saw him, and I, and I wasn't joking. I, and I don't mean in terms of ability. I just mean in terms of the his his his, his physical movement. Uh, he's got that slightly hunched way uh, about him. The way his arms move and he kind of prowls across the pitch. It's the same. He's got the same physical movement as Dalglish. And I, and what I realised last night, he's got the same bloody big arse as well. <laughs> he's you know he's got he's got this big bum that he can stick out into people. That I wish it's a very important for. aspect of modern football. Absolutely. Really uh, so I nearly, nearly managed to uh, to get my my inner Al Pacino there. Is big ass. That's <laughs> 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 what well, scared the children there. For those of you on YouTube. Um, so yeah, no, so absolutely love him. And and the the, the dog leash uh, comparison in terms of physical movement uh, is just making him uh, yeah undroppable in my eyes. <laughs> yeah. Jota is another player that had quite a good game, but I think we'll come back to him in just a sec because I want to talk about Abada uh, last night. He, I think, struggled for parts of the game, and I think that was more down to the Aberdeen game plan rather than Abada actually playing all that poorly. They doubled up, tripled up at times every time he got the ball, singled him out, and forced him into dribbles, James. Um, it seemed like this was a game plan from Aberdeen. It worked effectively and potentially could be something for Celtic to look at when it comes to Abada. Maybe it was the fact that Juranovic wasn't playing on the right wing, so you didn't have the exact same sort of movement that he provides with uh, Tony Ralston playing there instead. Um, what's your thoughts on that? I think that's a reasonable um, idea, meaning that I think uh, Juranovic offers um, – you know, something different than Ralston, especially on the ball and that kind of link up play and the speed with which he's able to uh, link up and his movement and the runs he makes. Um, so I, I, it does appear, and again, this is qualitative. I don't, I don't really have anything quantitative to add to it, but qualitatively, it seems like that side operates a little bit more smoothly with Juranovic recently as, as we've kind of come out of the winter break. And we had uh, presumably they had time to you know work on these things as as Alan has uh, rightly pointed out coming out of breaks we've been excellent and um, so I you know I, I think that's part of it but there's also part of that where you know Abada is such um, a, a quixotic player because he's he's so good in certain components of the game particularly those runs into the box uh, he he puts good balls in. Uh, and when he does, they're really good. But then, you know, 70% of the time when they're bad, they're awful. You know what I mean? So he's such a player of extremes. And one of the things that's relatively extreme is he is just not good at beating opponent, opposing players of any decent level off the dribble. Um, he's actually, I have it here. He's, um, let me see, uh, his attacking... 
Yeah, so he's actually um, he he only won one out of five dribbles yesterday. Yeah, he's, he's he, up against Johnny Hayes, right? He's probably the, right. quickest, the quickest left back he's going to face all season. Yeah, so he struggled. Uh, yeah. And we talked about that, you know, even before uh, he only played a half. But, you know, Jota didn't have a great game in that component of the game either because, you know, uh, Ramsey's decent in that phase of play. Uh, and, and McCrory was pretty good and physical in the second half when he he shifted over jota did a lot of other things that were obviously pretty valuable in the game um but it wasn't that he was taking guys on -on one-on-one like he has in the past and just dominated and that that just is not a strength it appears of abada and that was evident in his data from from israel too so when he's on the ball you know uh trying to carry if he if he has someone he's got to beat like he's great at getting behind and making that run and receiving the ball like one touch bang or crossing it bang. Right. But he's, he's not someone that, that seems to be all that productive as far as being part of like, uh, you know, intricate uh, triangles, ticky tack type uh, play in the final third against a bunkered team, like a Livingston, um, you know, so it, he's just really fascinating. Analytically he's fascinating because he, he does offer so much value relative to goals and and chance creation for for um for teammates but the other parts of his game are you know not only not great they're you know borderline not good <laughs> um mm. so it's uh, if he's not delivering the former in a game which again it's it's ridiculous to expect that to happen every single game he's going to have variance in his in his performance levels just you know game to game um, and he's had a great run recently. And so he was kind of due for a game where the parts of what he does well didn't come off. And when that doesn't happen, you're left with the rest, which isn't all that appealing. <laughs> and yeah. I think yesterday was more of one of those games. Loads of comments coming in on the YouTube and keep them coming as well. But I want to touch on this one from Kevin 14, who says that we don't play our wingers in a traditional way. And I actually watched a video today on uh, TIFO, football which is a youtube channel if you haven't checked it out if you're interested in football they do really good videos and it was essentially about how our perception of football and our understanding of positional play um is warped because of the way that we grew up with football being about certain players playing certain positions and those certain positions being a certain type of player that plays in them and a certain type of role and how all of that has changed now and i i guess that is what you talk about with Abada. So naturally Abada plays on the right-hand side of a 4-3-3. So he's a right winger for Celtic, but he's not a right winger. Traditionally, what you would expect from a right winger, he doesn't provide you those dribbles that an Aiden McGeady would do. He doesn't beat men naturally, but he's very good at arriving late onto balls at the back post. And he's very good at getting into the right position inside the box. So I think the idea of him as a winger might be something that holds people back in terms of how well or otherwise they rate him as a player. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it, he, he's a classic uh, anchoring and, and confirmation bias player, because depending on what your anchored view is on him, if you like him and that's your anchor, there's plenty of stuff that you're going to love that he does. And if you have a, a negative bias towards him, there's plenty of stuff he's going to do. That's going to drive you absolutely nuts. Uh, and, you know, so we, we see that also on on the left when we've had Maeda play there or even to a degree uh, in the limited amount that Kyogo has played on the left. It's kind of an inside forward 
almost like uh, Sinclair played a bit under Rogers um, where they're in that populating that half space quite a bit. And we've been pulling out, you know, so where O'Reilly and even Rogic at times has been and to his credit, Turnbull is quite good at this is getting wide and kind of allowing that inside channel with the fullbacks and, and the, uh, the wingers to, 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 to invert, so to speak, get in, in, in that half space. So, um, yeah, I, it, 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 it's this is always the issue with analysis is how, how do you break down? How do you segment? What's an actual benchmark? Um, you know, I, I wouldn't want Abada playing as a classic winger, um, given some of the limitations in his game. I, I think he is well suited for more of this inverted or inside forward role um, for all the reasons that we talked about. And I, again, I just have the number. He, he's 11th percentile in the league this season. So basically 90% of wingers in the league are better at uh, dribble success rate. So this is what I'm saying. It, like at a SPFL level, he's one of the worst wingers in the league beating a man one-on-one. Yeah. So I, 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 honestly, I honestly couldn't care less about that. And the reason no, I say I'm just, that... Yeah, no, I'm just saying... No, the reason I say that is because dribbling is, is a relatively low volume activity. There's, players, compared to passing the ball... A player might complete fifty passes and like one one or two dribbles, right? So the fact that he's in the lower part of that is is uh, to me irrelevant. If if he's picking the right passes, if he's finding players in the box, if he's cutting the ball back to to somebody, if he's playing an inside ball or playing an outside ball to an overlapping player, which he's very good at as well. That that to me uh, would would give, would give him a massive utility. I mean, the, we talk about traditional wingers, but when 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 we're Wingers last traditional. I mean, if you're as old as I am, a traditional winger means somebody who literally spends the whole game with their chalk on the boot, you know, chalk on the boots, as he used to say, and, and bangs long, long, high crosses into a massive centre forward, right? Well, nowadays, you know, people that play nominally in wide positions are forwards, right? And they're multi purpose forwards. Strikers aren't, you know, Dixie Deans and the, you know, uh, Bob Latchford and people like that, right? They're, 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 they're multi-purpose mobile players that have uh, a defensive role and a creative role and an attacking role. And, and the mm-hmm. same with the wide players. They've got, they've got very different roles. And, and I don't think we're, we're I don't think uh, it's almost a, a theoretical position to say, you know, we're moving to the, moving to a state of having 11 footballers on the pitch and they're all, basically multi-skilled to the same degree. I don't think that'll ever happen. But but it, it is more like that than it used to be where you had almost like rugby style, you play on the wing, therefore you you can't be more than five foot six and you've got to be quick and you've got to be able to beat a man. Those days are long gone. So I'm yeah. not bothered about that. I'm bothered about, you know, is, is, atta- is, is the attacking output, right? And if you think, and you see he's had a purple patch, six goals or assists in the last three games, over one over one's expected scoring contribution in each of the last three games. He's a young player. He's going to have dips. And, and last night, I think he was up against a pretty speedy opponent. So, you know, he, he had a hard night. Yeah, yeah well, I, that's, again, that's I wasn't exactly being, why I, I bring it up. That, that that that's why I bring. Sorry, cut cut across you, James. But that that's why I actually bring it up. And I don't think James, you're saying that Abad is a bad player because no, no, he's not. No, he's not. Yeah, I, he's, I, I agree. I, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm highlighting it as why he's quixotic, meaning that mm. for a for a <clears throat> for him to be, and he has been. He's been one of the highest valued players on Celtic this season in Europe and domestically. So this has not been some flash in the pan. But if you just nominally said that, you know, one of our 
highest expenditure buys for a player of that profile, meaning that he was 19 when we bought him and we spent four plus million on him and he's a winger. And if you would say he would be amongst the worst players in the league in, in taking opponents on in dribble, that doesn't, that sounds wrong. You know what I mean? That it sounds odd that any Celtic winger would be amongst the worst in the league at an SPF. Now, you know, at, at uh, Champions League, you could say, oh, well, okay, so that standard, maybe they would struggle at that level. Um, so it's, it's just so weird how valuable he has been and probably will continue to be with these just really interesting. And I, to me, it's not just dribble percentage. It's, it's, I think that's indicative of a technical issue and you see that with some of his passing as well i mean that's why some of when when things go wrong with him they go so horribly wrong is because there's just something technically going on there where he's maybe not as refined and maybe never will be but he's so good in these other ways that it it, it more than makes up for it um so that that was more so the point that i was making yeah yeah it it was more from uh it was more from a positive standpoint that i was sort of bringing this up is that yeah you know, like while the perception around Abada might be that he can't beat a man, he's not expected to beat men because that's not his job. Yeah, and he can't, and it doesn't be- matter. Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> that, matter that he. It, it doesn't overall. matter that he can't. Exactly. That's that's exactly uh, the entire point that I meant to to uh, establish, and ended up bringing us down a massive wormhole. Let's move across to the other wing to Jota, who is again not a traditional winger in the ideas of a traditional winger. And more so, if you look at, he got two goals last night, which are obviously the most important aspects of his play. But for such a good player in terms of his attacking output, he had six ground duels uh, that he won last night, four tackles, he uh, four fouls, uh, he, he won four fouls, two interceptions. I mean, as well as being exceptional going forward and getting important goals, Jota does a lot of defensive work that's really good. Yeah, I think it's a little bit underestimated, uh, and you know, dare I say, because of his <laughs> his pretty boy looks <laughs> and his nice hair, people probably don't think that he actually, you know, rolls his sleeves up and gets on with it. So, you know, no, he is pretty good like that. I think as well, just a little bit of uh, again game state we, we need to talk about again because here we were are on a small pitch on a windy night against a big physical opponent. The ball's bouncing around a lot. They've got a lot of players who are not great technical, so the ball's bouncing off the big lumbering players that they have in the back um, there. So there's a lot of opportunity. There's a lot of fighting going on for loose loose balls and a lot of recoveries going on. So I, th- I expect most players' numbers to be elevated in that regard. But certainly uh, across the piece, I would say, you know, yeah, Jota's probably defensively been a, been a pleasant uh, a pleasant success. I mean, he, he, he does take people on. I mean, I, I was just... I was just, just going to say on Abada, I don't want to go back down that, but Abada's now is now third, actually third um, highest expected assists in the squad. But one of those is Ryan Christie; he's not there anymore. So that you know, the the ball moves quicker than the man, right? So if you can pass the ball well, then you know that to me that's what I'd be looking at. And but Jota's probably a, a, a bit different to that. He he does carry the ball and he's very effective at carrying the ball. But even even if you if you remember a couple of times in the first half where he actually beat a player um and, and got ahead, that's literally taking one player out of the game. And that's is it to, to to beat a player is a lot of effort. It's a lot of physical effort. You're probably going to get hit. You've got then got to keep your balance. Um and you've beaten one player. 
whereas you know, one pass can take out four or five opponents. So I'd always prefer a, a team to pass the ball. It's it's just more effective. It just makes more sense, basically. But you love to have someone like him who gives you a completely different set of problems to deal with because he has got the ability. And, and and even if you smack him, and even if he thinks you're fast, he's not going to stop trying. Um, and he but he doesn't do it stupidly, like you know. Like if you think about, uh, I don't know, I suppose the classic in the modern game might be Adama Traore, right? He, he's just, just going to do it because that's all he can do. He's just going to knock the ball past it. He's going to try and run past you. And whether it works or whether it doesn't, he's going to do it again. And it's kind of dumb. And some of them will come off and it'll look amazing. But Jota's a clever player. And, and, he, and he picks his moments. And he doesn't... And he, and he, and he, because, of, because of his output, we can see that he makes good choices. So um, mm. he's different. I'll allow him to do it. He doesn't overdo it either. That's the other thing I would say. He doesn't overdo it. Uh, he uses it as a weapon, um, and he makes a decision. I'm going to take this player on because I see the space behind, not just because I can, not just because I'm the winger and I've got that's what I'm expected to do. So I think I think his decision making uh, in attacking areas is probably what sets him apart. Yeah, he doesn't take the piss with it. And again, I'm going to bring up the, <clears throat> no. the name Aidan, Aidan McGiddy because <laughs> I mean he, he's a classic example of a, a fella who who took too much out of the game a lot of the time. I suppose one thing that you can say about the dribbles and even just the threat of the dribbles from Jota is that often at times people gravitate towards him. Defenders gravitate towards him because they think, okay, he's going to try to go past me here. We'll double up. We'll, we'll get him. And then suddenly he flicks it to Hatate. Hatate switches it across the field and Celtic are, are free with the half Aberdeen side across the other side of the pitch. So again, that's another threat that comes with even just yeah. the talent that, um, the, the Jota has, on the table, well, and I'll I'll say you know not not all dribbles are created equal, obviously. So where he's able to add that value is he gets close to uh, uh, the opponent's box, and he's able to beat a one on one and then create space for either a shot or a cross, right? So it's it's those. Whereas if you beat a guy fifty yards from goal, you know, nice can be pretty at times. But to Alan's point. You know, maybe a pass that takes out three lines of defenders is going to, you know, um, increase the chance of of uh, of scoring a goal. So, uh, yeah, that's where I I think kind of the leverage of his skill as he gets closer to um, the goal and that ability to really take on men is is really exceptional. And not not only for creating chances for himself, but then uh, being able to to do so with with uh, with teammates. Alan, can I get a quick thought from you on Maeda? And we might do sort of a, an overarching uh, look at all of the signings that Ange made in January once they have that magic number of minutes played. But it, it felt to me like he struggled against Aberdeen last night, didn't get involved in the play much. And at times I was actually hoping that Giacomacus would come on just to have a little bit more physicality and hold up play and link up play up front. So in general, what did you think didn't work for him or what did you think did work for him last night? Yeah, so the, again, uh, I wrote a piece today which really dives into this whole you know, concept of perception versus uh, the moments that you remember and therefore the perceptions that you take from that versus the actual uh, performance, which can be made of many more parts than those small memories that you form from a game. For any because there's 22 players to watch at the end of the day, um, and actually, having said all that, you know, I, I, my memory of, of him was two things: one, actually getting into decent positions, and then his finishing just seemed to just like 
was just poor. It's really, it was just like really pathetic, almost like really kind of weak. I mean, the head, the header, he found himself free amongst three central defenders to get on the end of an amazing cross from Ralston. Um, and I thought, well, given the, the YouTube videos I'd seen of his heading ability, I thought, wow, this is, this is a really big chance for him. And it was kind of a weak header. And then he had a couple where he was through and it was just a weak, a couple of weak finishes. But he got into good positions. I mean, we've been saying this about Giacomacchus. He got into those positions. But I found myself when I was watching the game on at least three occasions, actually almost applauding as I'm watching it on my crappy stream, um, the, 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 when he came back and was winning the ball off of people uh, and, and uh, you know, is, is, uh, in his pressing. Uh, and again, I, one of the big weaknesses in my data is uh, I don't I don't record pressures or like you know there was one that we can't think when Rogic pressed the defender so hard he he forced him to give the ball away in a bad position. I've got no I don't no, no mechanism to capture that at all. But that that was the Rogic that was a really quite important action that was missed on that one. And Maeda does that a lot. You know he forces just forcing the goalkeeper to kick it quicker than he wanted to, forcing the defender to kick it before he's really set. To kick it, that just it just probably it probably turns over possession, and then something happens on the back of that. So so don't underestimate the uh, the power of that. Those things cum- accumulate over a game. So I think there was some good bits. I think he got into good positions. I don't want to make excuses for him, but I think it's only fair to say that you know he's flown halfway around the world and back. Yeah. Um, he's he's literally as I keep saying with Atati as well. He's probably coming to the end of what would be his preseason. So, you know, um, I think we've got to give the guy a bit of time. And, and he's not played as many games because he missed those games. Uh, so he's not played as many minutes for Celtic as uh, Maeda, as, uh, sorry, Hitati has. And so this is like his second start, I think, is it? No, third start, probably. Third start. Third, two, third, nine, two yeah. 90 minutes, 74 minutes on his debut, 28 minutes he came on in the derby. So, yeah, and he's, and he's still got two goals at the end of it. I think I think we're giving him a bit of time, aren't we? Yeah, exactly. And let's be frank about it. What Kyogo, Hatate, O'Reilly, Jota and Abada have done in terms of new players coming into the team and being um, like unbelievable from the very get-go, that's not a normal thing, you know? Well, I mean, like, yeah, you, 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 you don't look at it, you a, think... A yeah, you look at it, you think, you, know, you can tell, I, I don't know, I, I, not, you can't tell straight away, right? Like, you've got to gather data, I always say, at 900 minutes. But you, there's players that you're kind of worried about. Are you going to be good after 900 minutes? And there's there's players that you sort of think, I can't wait till you've done 900 minutes so I can tell people how good you are, right? And all those players going to fit into that sort of latter camp, whereas somebody like a Jackamakis is in, still in that sort of, oh, what are you going to be like? You know, not quite sure how it's going to turn out. But, you know, and, and generally, uh, if you look back over the last uh, you know 20 years of Celtic transfer windows, You'd kind of be fifty-fifty as to which camp players fall into, if not, if not a little bit, you know, less than that. But I think we're we've got a bunch of players that are like, you know, we can't wait to see the data, and then we've got a few that we're still like, mm, not sure. And I think that's a pretty to me that's a pretty, that's not I know that's not very qualitative, <laughs> quantitative, sorry, but it's a, it's a pretty good return. Yeah, yeah, it's like come on, we'll we'll give him time. He's he's also coming from a, a completely different culture to go into Glasgow halfway across the the, the world. And not everyone takes to it like a, a Dr. Water, like Atate and uh, Kyogo did immediately. So I, I, I will say that I am excited to see whether he progresses into the player that we think he will be, because if that's the case, then he will be a very good player as well. Um, but we'll give him time to adapt to the league. 
Uh, one thing that's been a sort of a trend on this show, as well as a trend in, in Celtic's performance, it seems to be the second half display and w- what sort of performance Celtic put in. And again, on the face value with the two goals conceded, the second half seems like a, a worse performance uh, for Celtic because, you know, they conceded two goals. But <laughs> across the entire performance, I, I actually don't think the second half was all that worse in the first half. Um, James, uh, without dragging through people through the whole idea of timings of substitutions and, and things like that, because, I mean, who knows why Ange makes these decisions. What What is your working theory on why Celtic's performance drops when it comes to the second half? Yeah, I, I think um, the obvious issue comes down to um, player fitness, uh substitution patterns and and the interplay of the demand of of the style of play uh so you know we've as alan said we've got a a, a handful of players here so we, we've had a different reasons for the same outcome right so the first half of the season it was we had no bench and we were flogging players <laughs> to the point where they would fatigue understandably um, as they were getting flogged playing that style twice a week. Uh, and then we had this influx of talent. Uh, again, some injuries that popped up that <clears throat> in the herd a little bit, but we've got now a, a deeper bench. But the kind of first choice players that have come in as upgrades or replacements or enhancements to that depth are all kind of in preseason or even a guy like O'Reilly was not playing this way at MK Dons. So even though he was midseason, and, you know, uh, I, I don't know League One that well. I'm assuming they probably play similar to the championship, meaning a, a, a ton of league games and twice a 40, week a lot. 46. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, <laughs> he, he's probably more used to playing twice a week, but not playing in an Ange Postacoglu system. So, um, you know, the idea that Hatate, Maeda, uh, and, and O'Reilly are just going to step in and be at peak fitness to be able to play – 90 minutes uh, above and beyond you've got the international travel and um, all of these other uh, potential issues that, you know, to, to me, that's the uh, kind of the Occam's razor. Um, it, it's the fitness. It's the, that interplay of, of those different factors. Um, and, you know, ho- hopefully it'll improve. You would think guys like Hatate and O'Reilly will build up fitness in particular. Uh, but again, it, from what I've heard and read that these things don't happen right away and it's going to take some time, just like it did for, let's say a Rogic or a Turnbull in the first couple of few months of the season as, as they acclimate to the demands of playing this way. Um, so, you know, uh, it could be well into March or April and then we, we just have to manage this as I think that as Alan has pointed out, uh, Ange has been managing it to a degree. I mean, in that yeah. maybe not with substitutions uh, the way that some of us would like to see, but tactically, you know, uh, subs- who he is substituting, what he's trying to do as far as, you know, he's not going out. I know he says certain things, but he's when you look at actions in a game that's a little bit tighter, like Motherwell was different. It was a comfortable game. They were very unlikely to be coming back. You know, against Rangers and against uh, Aberdeen, he wasn't looking to score five, six, seven goals. That that was not the behavior of the tactics or the substitutions that were made when they were made. So, 
Um, and, and we talked about that earlier in the season too, where he had been somewhat pragmatic in, in uh, locking down games. Um, so I, I think it's just something that we're going to have to live with. And, and hopefully as we get more of these guys back, uh, the rotation and maybe a little bit early substitutions uh, could help alleviate some of it. Yeah, we do have some data to get to this uh, to get to on this. But for us dum dums out there, James, what's Occam's razor? I uh, the the simplest explanation is the most likely. Ah, okay. I've 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 heard that, but I didn't know it was called that. So again, that's the dum dum here. That's the two second way to explain it. Yeah. Yeah, Alan, uh, you have data on this. You actually have some numbers to to bring to the table when it comes to uh, the Celtic performance. So, do you want to walk us through it here? Yeah, so so this is really breaking down when do Celtic concede goals, and and what I my eye test was telling me that it, we tended to see a degradation in performance, or at least an uptick in opposition performance around about well, not even not even the midpoint of the second half, but before that. Um, and and actually, if you look at the data, we're 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 conceding disproportionately uh, with between that fiftieth minute and 70th minute, that 20-minute spell. So just let me explain this a little bit. The the the, the black line is um, SPFL goals this season and when they occur in 10-minute segments. And as you can see, it's a line which is, is doesn't have too many massive fluctuations and is broadly uh, trending upwards, as you'd expect. More goals are scored the longer a game goes on. And the green line is Celtic, and when when they concede um, uh, between twenty fourteen and and uh, and this season, uh, beginning of the season, and as you can see, it, it, it plots to that SPFL current season pretty consistently. And then the red line is Celtic this season when Celtic are conceding goals, and and you can see that big spike um, between you know around about the fiftieth minute. And then to the seventieth minute, and then it falls back again, and then it goes up again in the last ten minutes. I'll come to that because that's I want to. I do need to provide a bit more context around that 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 sort of uptick towards the end. But it's that it's that spike um, between the fiftieth and the seventieth minute, and what that says to me is exactly as James says. You know, the fitness, etc. The the, the 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 for different reasons, we've not been able to manage that well. Um, in the early part of the season, but now we can. Now we do have a bench, and 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 although we talked, and, and I was, was was quite open about criticising Postacoglu about his choice of substitutions, I'd go a little bit further than James. I think we can help ourselves here. Um, I think um, we did we did then get into a few games where we made very proactive substitutions. Even at Motherwell, we made two at half time. We made another couple on sixty minutes, and we kept it fresh. And we never gave the opponent really a, a chance to, to breathe into the game, even against in the derby, you know, the same. But but yesterday, for some reason, despite having a relatively strong bench, we let Aberdeen build an amount of momentum. We conceded two goals in that period again. And it was only until the 75th minute that we uh, we brought subs on. And then, of course, another trend this season is we saw the game out comfortably. So when we do make the subs, we are seeing the game out. Now, the reason there's a bit of a spike that red spike towards the last ten minutes is a is a because that's normal. We, teams do concede a lot of goals in the last ten minutes, but actually, it's mostly in Europe that that happened when Celtic were playing this style against far superior opponents. In domestic football, Celtic conceded one goal, one goal 
in the last 20 minutes of, of, of games. And that was John Suter's on the first league game of the season. That's remarkable. So what that tells me, Oscam's Razor, what it tells me is if we get make our substitutions earlier, we can close the game out earlier. Mm. <laughs> and we can extend that period a little bit more towards the 60th minute, maybe, or the, the 55th minute, right? So I just think we need to le- recalibrate our substitutions to be a little bit earlier, and we can see these games out with even more comfort. Because again, last night, once we made the subs on 70-odd minutes, 78 minutes, we saw the game out perfectly comfortably, um, as we did in, in other games. Plenty of examples of this. So these are two very interesting trends. We're letting teams get into it. And by the way, you know, credit to Aberdeen. As much as you've got to criticise Glass for getting it awful, awful, awful way he set his team up in the first half, you've got to give him credit that he did do something about it and he actually put a very effective... Uh, he, he basically matched up. He, he matched up and just... I think basically it's the old cliche. He told the players to go and win their individual battles. It was that kind of thing. I don't think it was anything particularly clever, but he, he did it at least. I'm going to give him credit for that. So, but again, you've got to respond to that. If you see the game not not just not slipping away, but just this is as I say, I keep coming back to Chris Davis. Rogers were brilliant at this. They saw little little turns in the game, like a player who previously had a lot of time on the ball, in which case, in which case the fullbacks for Celtic are now getting hounded. They're now getting pressurised. Starfelt, plenty of time on the ball in the first half, now getting hounded, now getting pressurised. What are we going to do about that? Let's not, let's let's sort it before it becomes a problem. Postacoglu's dealing with it after it's become a problem. And, it's, and if we can just get that bit right, we're going to, you know, we're going to be, we're going to be some team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It also, what that also says about Celtic's defence is that they're able to see out games quite well in, in terms of, like last night, for example, when Celtic went three two up, Celtic were comfortable from that point onwards. When they were three 0 up against Rangers, comfortable again, not giving away chances. They're very good at winning games. <laughs> Essentially, that sounds it's a overly simple simple way of doing it. But when Celtic get in the position of power, I think there was a, there was a stat on the commentary last night. Can't remember exactly how many minute, minutes it was or how many games it was, but Celtic. If they go ahead, they don't lose essentially this season. That's that's been the the, the trend uh, so far this season. So that's something that you can get in the habit of doing uh, across the season. It, league is parked now for the just next one couple game. of games. Sorry, sorry, Enda, just on that. So I, I do believe it or not track this. So from a winning position in the league, we've dropped points in one game. Okay, one game. And to put that into context, the next lowest would be. Three times, three times, with yeah, three, three would be the next lowest number of you know, number of games that teams have have dropped points from winning positions. Was that, won, was, that was that the draw against Dundee United? I think so. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And again, I'd mitigate that by saying you know the sending off that was missed in the first half. So yeah, yeah. Well, and that that was a uh, if I cr- recall correctly, that was a Harks header mm-hmm. that was in the first half. It was almost straight after we scored. Yeah, yeah. and, and yeah. we we basically <clears throat> lit lit them up overall. So, hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I, I, if I recall correctly, I mean, the the, the chance creation in that game was. I, I think there's something, and I can't measure this. And I yeah. can't. I don't. I can't. I can't have data for it. But what my eyes tell me is that as much as as James is absolutely right, and everything that he says about fatigue and tiredness and the demands of Postecoglou's system. It's not just demanding on Celtic, it's demanding on the opposition. And once Celtic go ahead again, or, 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 or like get the third goal or the fourth goal in the second half, the other team has got nothing left. 
And the evidence is there. One goal in the last 20 minutes of domestic football all season, right? We're running teams off their feet. So use the bench, be ruthless. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Wraith Rovers this weekend in the in the cup, oh. and uh, <laughs> you want you want Celtic to hammer Wraith Rovers out the door for a number of reasons, mainly uh, off the field issues that you know for, you know the club have finally sorted out. But we won't go too deep into that conversation. Uh, the whole sale changes going into this game, or are we going halfway there with four or five different substitutions? Where what's our thoughts for this game? I mean, my, my bias in this kind of circumstance is um, you go as far towards wholesale changes as you're comfortable to make um, and rotate and give some guys minutes, whether it's Julian or, um, you know, some of these, you know, Soro, guys like that, that they're going to be fine against that level of competition. Uh, maybe give Bain a game. Uh, to keep him sharp. Because, again, you, you don't know when injuries are going to happen. So what happens if Carter Vickers, God help us, gets hurt? What happens if Hart gets hurt? You know, So if, if you can't do it against a lower league team, and not only a lower league team, but a couple of notches down who aren't playing particularly well, um, you know, wh- when can you do it? So I, I, I think uh, I, I err towards as much as you're – you can stomach um, would, would be my uh, maybe a guy like Doak, Mikey Johnson hasn't had any minutes. You know what I mean? Like we've got a plenty of guys. Forrest, that, Forrest, yeah, Forrest could use some some game time probably. And, you know, you're telling me James Forrest can't handle Wraith Rovers, uh, that kind of thing. So Jack Amakis would be. You know what I mean? Like let's. There's plenty of good quality with now that we've got some depth that we can give guys. Um, I think some minutes and and be fine. Last word to you, Alan. Yeah, I think you, you look at each player. I think because of the number of injuries that we've had and because of the peculiarities of where we've bought players from, especially Japan, in terms of uh, where they were in their season versus um, you know, pre-season, you've got to look at each individual and say, what is the best option? So, for example, I would definitely play Maeda. I'd, I'd, I'd put him in. In fact, I'd put, I'd put Maeda on the left and I'd put Jackamakis down the middle. I think Jackamakis needs games. Maeda uh, is, is essentially... This is a new season for him now. Uh, Hatati again. This is a new season for him. I'd, I'd actually play. I'd actually play all three of those. I'd play Forrest. Uh, I'd play Bain because, like exactly as James says, you don't know when he's going to be be needed. Um, you'd probably I would put Julian in if he, if he's fit and ready to play. Put him in uh, with with Welsh because again you, these guys are going to have to get some minutes in the legs. They they, they may well be needed. Um, and again. Taylor's come back from an injury. He's played a hard, some hard ninety minutes. So, so put skills in. So, yeah, definitely. But, but it's got to be, it's got to be a strong enough team to win. But I think so. I think there's a mixture there. I guess is what I'm saying between players who are actually a different part of their season, players like Forrest who need minutes and Jackamakers who need minutes, and then there's some that just maybe you say, okay, you've you've done you've done you've done a lot of work recently, like like Carter Vickers. Uh, you can you can have a rest, but. Uh, you play you play to win the game uh, first and foremost as well. Yeah, I thought you were going to suggest not starting Liam Scales there, and I was going to jump around right your thought, but I want I want start him at striker end. I put him in. Listen, I, honestly, stick him in stick him left wing, and let's see how he gets on. Uh, no, hopefully, uh, Celtic continue on the fine form and go twenty one games unbeaten this week against uh, Wraith Rovers this weekend. Alan James, thanks very much. 
Thanks, guys. Thank you. Uh, have a good week. Now, my thanks to everyone who watched and uh, commented on the YouTube stream as well. If you're watching us on YouTube, do hit the subscribe button below and keep the comments coming as well. If you want to get the podcast of this, it'll be available on Spotify and iTunes as well or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're on Twitter at Huddle Breakdown. We'll be back again next week with the Buttle Glimt uh, Europa Conference League review. So that'll be exciting stuff. So we'll chat to you then. Good luck. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.